uh, other worship and Deacon Emma who led prayer, God. We thank you, God, now for your instruction that is coming. We thank you, God, now for 10 days of sacrifice, of sacrifice 10 days of, of consecration, 10 days of prayer and fasting, Father, that we have dedicated to you, God. We thank you now, God, that you are honoring our petitions, God. You are hearing our petitions, God, and that your angels dis are dispatched to working, actively working on, on our petitions, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, we will never fail to give you glory, honor, and praise that only you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. If you are online, please, I want to see you on camera and let me know if you can hear me clearly. I can hear you. Yes. I can hear you. Yes, we can hear you. Yes, Trina, we tried to see your two fingers. You knew tonight was, was day 10. You should have been, you should have been, you should have been ready. I called Deacon Trina out because I can. And she's not going to get mad and take it personally. I can see you over here, but I am driving. I'm good, Harry. <laughs> all right. It's good to see all your faces for those of you who can and were able to come on camera. Just turn your phone down. Amen. I'm excited about the ending of this fast. And I'm excited about where I'm excited about where God is taking us in this season. Amen. You trying to step into my shot? Oh, right. oh, sorry. We're recording, so I need to be more serious. Sorry. All right. Willing to commit, committed to execution. Pastor Z, good to see you. Let's jump into the scripture. Today's day 10, committed to execution, 2 Corinthians 8, 10 through 12. But I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 12. Amen? No, you don't stand right here. It begins the reading of God's holy word. Now I, want, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God... And his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing and the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to us, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I wanted you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? 
though he was rich, yet for ours, for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, you could make, he could make you rich. And herein, I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So far, the scripture. So here in the, in the second uh, the second letter that Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, uh, we see that Paul is writing to talk about the grace of God and how the grace of God has been on the people in Macedonia. There was three churches at that time in Macedonia. And so uh, Paul is going to the church in Corinth, a church that he established. He was the, the establishmentarian. And he's telling them about the exciting news that's happening in Macedonia amongst the people of Macedonia and all the churches that are in Macedonia. There was so much Paul addressed to them. Uh, 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 one thing that I want to capture is that he 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 had two main issues. Uh, the first was to ensure that the church wasn't divided based on who the people wanted to see lead. The second was being people that was coming out of Jewish culture. It was no longer a culture for an eye for an eye, but it was now a culture of repentance and forgiveness. And so the two messages was, let's be united. Let's not divide ourselves based on who we want to see lead. And the second message was, we have to walk in a spirit of repentance. And so Paul's message was, forgive, repent, not revenge. The overarching message brought conviction to the people, which led to a repentance, excuse me, which led to them getting saved, then a repentance, and then a spirit of joy because the, 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 the atmosphere in the city of Macedonia just changed based on their stance of repentance. And so because of this joy now, the people of Macedonia began to give, financially began to give to the churches in Macedonia and began to give outside of their uh, uh, outside of their 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 giving bracket or their financial bracket. They were giving more than what they had, so they were literally giving away any everything because of the joy that they were now functioning in. They were beginning to give away everything because of the joy that they were functioning in. So they went from a people that were vengeful to a people that was joyful. They went from a people who was always seeking revenge to a people who was giving cheerfully, all because of their stance of repentance. So with the attitude and the demeanor change in the people, because they were more joyful, they began to give more finances. And Paul basically, uh, said, hey, God, 
do this for the churches in Macedonia. And God began to bless them and they began to be, they began to repent and there was just good stuff happening for the people in Macedonia. And so, and so Paul writes this letter and he's beginning to challenge the, 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 the people at Corinth. And he's challenging the people at Corinth to be more like the Macedonians. And he says, he says, I want you to give, but, uh, but he prefaced it with this statement. We saw it in verse seven. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifting, your gifted speak, uh, speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So Paul was challenging the people at Corinth or the Corinthians to give like the Macedonians. Verse eight, he says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. This is not a command. What you do, I'm not commanding you to do. I'm asking, I'm encouraging you to do. I don't know about you, but most people, uh, when you command them or you tell them or you give them a directive, they, they instantaneously go against the grain because they don't want to be told what to do. Grown folk have a way of not listening to people they feel like they don't have to listen to. Grown folk have a way of just going against the grain because they can go against the grain. You ever met a person that just challenges everything for no reason? <laughs> they, they, they just, they, if, if everybody's saying, hey, the sky is blue, they'll say the sky is gray just to have an argument and a debate. You 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 ever you you ever meet a person who would argue a point and argue a point even when they were wrong just to prove that some point in what they're trying to make is correct and right? <laughs> That's right. I was the, I was one of those people, <laughs> and it wasn't until I got to my thirties that I learned how to share my opinion rather than force my opinion. I start to understand that as someone who is in a position of leadership and is following other people in a position of leadership, it's better to share my opinion and let them say, oh, we should do it that way. Because if they don't think that we should do it that way, then I just go ahead and I do what they ask me to do. And I don't do it purposely with the intention to fail. Right? I take it on, I do it, and I do it to the best of my ability to ensure that it succeeds because that's what's being asked of me. I started to recognize that it's easier to work in harmony and to be seen as trustworthy than to work at odds and be seen as a potential liability. But Paul shares, I'm challenging you to give. Through this challenge, I'm testing your love in comparison to what's happening at the churches in Macedonia. Paul uses Christ as an example of verse nine. He says, you know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for, you, for your sakes he, came, he became poor, and by his poverty you may be rich. In verse 10, though, Paul begins to reveal why he is so aggressive in his challenge to the people of Corinth. He says, you started this a year ago. Last year, you were eager. You wanted to be the trailblazer. 
and you succeeded in being the trailblazer. So finish what you started. Let last year's excitement, last year's drive, last year's motivation be the same motivation as now to cause you to finish what you started. Don't allow the curvy roads, don't allow the speed bumps, don't allow the naysayers, don't allow uh, the, 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 the crooked paths to slow you down from doing what God has called you to do. Finish what you started. Don't allow social media to make you seem like you've been doing so long and everybody else is just getting victories all over the place because social media and Instagram and Facebook don't show failures. They only show victories. So don't allow what you see on social media to, to, to deter you from doing and finishing what you started. Revisit your eagerness, revisit your excitement. Look back at what happened last year when we started planning and talking about our visions and talking about our business plans. Look back at what was going on last year and what had you so excited so that you have the same eagerness and excitement now to finish what you started. Yes. Whatever you need to recommit, do it. Paul tells the people of Corinth, whatever you decide to give, it is acceptable as long as you are giving it with the same enthusiasm, with the same excitement, with the same eagerness that you started giving this. But here's the kicker. Paul stresses the fact that give according to what you have and not what you don't have. Don't stretch beyond your capability. Overseer, what are you saying? I'm telling you that in this season of planning and execution, you have to finish what you start. In this season of planning and execution, you don't have to get everything done in one shot. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And so rather than dedicating or trying to dedicate 16 hours to your to your vision and your plan, you dedicate two or three hours as long as it's the same eagerness as when you started writing the vision. Don't get don't get don't get eager for five, 10, 15 minutes and then an hour in, you're looking at, oh, I got 14 more hours to go, and now you you lose all, all, all excitement and you lose all eagerness. You're better off just working your vision for 10 or 15 minutes, being excited, moving for those 10 or 15 minutes, and then moving on to something else. Finish what you started. Take the same eagerness that you used to start it to finish it. I know y'all don't know Pastor Claudine as well as I know Pastor Claudine. But Pastor Claudine has this ability to hear from God and then just come up with random quotes that are famous that I never heard of. And it always seems to be like the perfect quote, like at the right time, exactly what I needed to hear or while I was studying something. I'm like, I'm like, all right, all right, God, I hear. It. Okay, all right. And so today, Pastor Claudine gave me a quote, and I want—I want—I—I I, I think it was the perfect thing. While I was studying, while I was studying, she gave me this quote, or should I say, while I was preparing, she gave me this quote. It says, "A commitment is more certain and serious than a promise, yeah. as it signifies a desire 
to promise more than one can deliver. A promise is evaluated by its immediate effects, while a commitment challenges you to hold on to it and is less indulgent. So people of God, as we close out this fast, I'm challenging you not to make yourself a promise, but to commit. Don't make yourself a promise to say, every day of the week, I'm going to work on my business. Every day of the week, I'm going to put in four hours. Don't promise yourself, just commit to doing the work. Don't overexert yourself. Don't overextend yourself because when you begin to overexert and overextend yourself, that's when you, you get discouraged to go do the work. That's when you lose the eagerness. That's when you lose the motivation. That's when you lose the excitement. Don't overextend yourself. Stay in a pocket, work your vision, and then when you start to feel yourself getting weary and dreary, all right, it's time to shut it down. I'll come back to it tomorrow. And then tomorrow when you sit down, you go back in with, with eagerness, you go back in motivated, you go back in excited, and you do so until you start feeling dreary. You say, okay, it's time to shut it down. I'll come back to it tomorrow. But what God is expected from us is the exact same eagerness all the time. What God is expected from us is the exact same eagerness all the time. So as you show up in your visions, as you show up in your business plans, as you show up in your, in your personal lives and in your personal goals, watch God because all God needs from you is your, your yes. All God needs is your yes. Because my yes to God shows that I'm committed. My yes to God shows that I'm here. My yes to God, sometimes it may not seem eager, but it shows that I'm ready to do the work. And as you begin to do the work and God starts to save you small victories, then you get excited about, it. you get eager because now, now you're winning in spots. You're like, oh, God, God, God took my yes and now he's turning it into win for me. So now I'm excited. Now, now you're looking forward to going to sit down. Now you're looking forward to going to do the work because God has took your work. God has took your yes and turned it into wins. Don't get scared looking at the big picture. Don't allow yourself to get dreary. Don't overcommit. Don't overextend. Don't stretch yourself. Commit to being eager. If it's 10 minutes a day, if it's 15 minutes a day, if it's 20 minutes a day, if it's 30 minutes a day, if it's two hours a day, commit to doing the work and watch God. Amen? Amen. We are going to serve communion. Uh, for those of you who are at home, uh, you can.